Hello, I'm Julian Rubinstein, professional funny man, idiot, and, well, podcast presenter for the new Conspiracist. And I'm investigative journalist with too much time on his hands, James Ball, and you're listening to the new Conspiracist. This is a podcast that boldly goes where most people know better than to tread. Each week, we take one specific conspiracy theory and one great guest, and we dissect it. What's the conspiracy? Who's behind it? What evidence is there for it? And why do people believe in it? And then we settle, once and for all, whether it's fact or fake news. So whether you want answers on 9-11 or the Loch Ness Monster, on Benghazi, or whether Avril Lavigne died and was replaced by her body double Melissa, or whether Melissa will ever let us change this copy, you're in the right place. Now this week on the podcast, we are joined by a stand-up comic who's... Radio 4 series right now is blowing up. You can check it out now. Cancel Culture with Athena Kablenu, who is, of course, our guest. Now, this is a first for the podcast because it features a time-traveling baby. Now, I know that might sound strange at first, but you'll understand as we get into it. So, James, what are we talking about this week? The Bertha conspiracy movement was Obama born in Kenya. Let's jump in and find out. How are you, buds? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you both? So listen, let's talk a little bit about the conspiracy theory that we are looking at today. Athena, why don't you tell us about this monstrosity of an issue Yes. That the world is coming to terms with. <laughs> so this is the um, the conspiracy theory that Barack Obama was not born within the borders of, of the North American states. Um, uh, and that theory seems to have been brought about by some evidence, a very damning piece of evidence. And that evidence... She's seriously damning. That damning piece of evidence is that Barack Obama is brown. <laughs> um, what? Hang, hang on, do we have a source for that? So, I'm not, I've never seen any actual evidence of that, well, not visual evidence or anything. You know, I, like you, I'm stuck at home with my black and white television, um, <laughs> and I, you know, and I get my news from dogs, and as we know, dogs can't see color. So you know, but rumor has it that America elected a president of a slightly different hue to their other presidents, and because orange, orange, orange yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and for that reason, people are like, well, hold on a minute. This, he can't have been born here, you know, um, and that that's it. So let's let's get to the bottom of this. Excuse me, I've got a Hang on a second. Have you got baby Barack Obama right there? <laughs> I've got, um, well, I, I want to do an experiment. I want to see if you could have a baby in a European country or, you know, uh, a post-colonial <laughs> country and have it come out a different colour to Amazing. the the majority population and guess what guys you can like you know <laughs> I, I mean this is much much more thorough preparation than people usually do for this podcast but yeah you can be born in a country and be brown now i just this is groundbreaking uh, i mean you know a scientific first broken on this very podcast you could have a brown baby in england even who would have thought it are you using this child as a visual representation of baby barack obama who was not born in the united states that's exactly states? what i'm doing this is like a recreation you know when you watch like um 999 or crime watch <laughs> this is this is it yeah I, i've obviously uh, heard you know tell of this uh, conspiracy theory before but the actual birth of myth around Obama, what is it and how did it start? So 
There have been rumours that Barack Obama was lying to the American public from really as soon as he ran to the Senate. But what's sort of interesting is there was a kind of rumour before the rumour. Um, and so birtherism, the, the idea that he was born in Kenya rather than in Hawaii, um, really grew up in the 2008 presidential election. The one before that, grew up in about 2004 when he was standing for the U.S. Senate. And this was that Barack Obama was a secret Muslim oh, rather yes. than... And uh, this sort of came from this uh, sort of... Uh, someone who describes themselves as an independent contrarian columnist when he was running for uh, wow. the Senate and uh, sort of opens with... I feel sad having to expose Barack Obama, but the man is a complete fraud. Um, you know, the truth is going to surprise, disappoint, and outrage many people who were drawn to him. Um, and it basically, I kid you not, one of the key things on it is fiction. Obama was given an African name. Fact. Obama is a Muslim. Africa as a continent famously contains zero Muslims. You know, just wow. another thing. This uh, you know, beautiful. Um, and essentially, you know, they the, what's quite funny with this one is they the the guy is clearly trying to do the sort of not a racist thing. He does the Obama will be the first Muslim heritage senator. He should be proud of that fact. There is nothing to be ashamed of in any of the three great Abrahamic religions. Before then saying, Obama may be a threat to the Jewish community. Because obviously all Muslims are a threat to all Jews. Everyone knows that. Exactly. Everyone Absolute blanket you know. Blanket stereotypes. It's always, it's always the I'm best I'm also to really with. pleased that he's decided that the three Abrahamic religions are the best ones and there were seats going, damn! Well, the Sikhs famously <laughs> discounted by Lawrence Fox from actually taking any part in the Second World War. That, that, that persecuted minority we're talking about. It's amazing though, isn't it, Athena? Because it, I think it's fair to say that even though it's of its humble beginnings in 2014, it was then catapulted... 2004, darling. 2004, sorry, yeah. when he ran for the, the Senate. It was then catapulted into the sort of front of a national presidential debate by a certain a certain uh Donald, well, allegedly, yeah, yeah. A, a guy a called Human Cheeto. Yeah, human, human Cheeto, Dorito, what's it? It's like, thank God there were lots of orange foods, so we'd have to say his name. <laughs> thank God, you know, what, a, a red Leicester, a red Leicester cheese. Um, the red Leicester cheese man. The what, red Leicester cheese man. Was, how did he use this? Well, he used it to give himself credibility as an alternative. So you have a fraud in the White House. So now get somebody who isn't a fraud, aka moi. Um, uh, and that's and he also used it for attention, okay? Because these guys are trolls. These guys are professional trolls. And he knew that if he ran around saying this dude isn't born here, and he and then he could get a um, a groundswell of people who believed him, he could give himself momentum and currency. Okay, so for a long time, the only reason why Donald Trump was on our TV screens on the news was because he was saying Obama wasn't born here. We had literally no reason to see him for those for those weeks and months. And, and as years. you can hear, the baby is upset about this. <laughs> I mean, he's upsetting small children. Of course, it's upsetting him because he's. But that's making it because, as we've just, just, as we've said through this experiment, you know, like he's brown, he's in England, Obama's brown, <laughs> Obama's in America. So the whole thing was crazy, and it was, and, and like these things get that happen, they get amplified in the press because if it's a if it's a slow news day, for example, it just it just does the rounds for no reason. 
Um, but Trump really escalated the uh, the conspiracy theory into the into it used to be like um, a Division Three conspiracy conspiracy yeah, theory, yeah. and he put it into the Premier League, Champions League. It was Trump and these sort of other people who you know, Breitbart and various other places that sort of shifted it from. Obama is a, Mus- a secret Muslim. Mm. They sort of kept that as a theme, but they shifted it to he was born in Kenya for mm. a reason as well. Because, you know, funnily enough, being a Muslim does not automatically exclude you from being the US president. Right. Not being American does. Um, it's actually, it's not even clear if you were born to two US parents, but say in Canada, uh, whether you would be el- strictly eligible. Um, there's, there's an argument over it. And so the theory was, because the US has you know full birthright citizenship, et cetera, if, if he's born in America, he's eligible to be president. No, you know, no questions asked. If he was born in Kenya, maybe he's just automatically disqualified and thus either can't be a candidate or his presidency's invalid. And Mm -hmm. so it gave them a much cleaner line of attack of going, legally, he can't be president. And so that's why they shifted the narrative to this. It was quite clever. The first time I properly encountered it, I was in, uh, I was filming in uh, Texas in the Republican Party conference, um, uh, where I'd just been talking to Ted Cruz about his bunions, obviously, uh, and I was kind of quite. I think I genuinely was quite surprised because I think it's the first time that I'd come in contact with a group of people who, because they felt something very, very strongly were totally prepared to discount empirical fact. And it was a kind of fascinating thing because these people were um, sort of excited about the idea that he wasn't uh, eligible to be president. It was the sort of thing they shout from the stage and and people would respond. Like, you know, just basic stand-up crowd work. Like, what is Obama? Who's a Muslim? What is Obama? Who's a Muslim? It, it was like, it's amazing. And then, you know, then one of them trotted out with huge sort of like reverie to it. And his middle name's Hussein. And the crowd <laughs> went wild. You know, and, but it is this kind of, it did feel yeah. like one of those early warning signs that like, this is, this is where you're going. Did, did you experience it like that? Well, listen, you're not allowed to be racist in public anymore, but you are allowed to be wrong. And this is, um, <laughs> this is basically the, the spine of Trump's support. Um, you know, you can't shout out, you know, you can't, you know, you, you can't shout out the awful things that people used to shout out in America, specifically, I guess, um, at, at black people. And they still do it, by the way, but you can't do that. You know, you can't do it in a big crowd of people. You can't do it. You can't do it on, on CNN, but you, you know, <laughs> but you can say he was born in Kenya on CNN. So it's all about the racism becoming um, implicit rather than explicit. And that's, and they, and I, you know, deep down, they know they're full of shit. They know yeah. it. They know yeah. he was born in Hawaii. They know. And th- th- let's not forget, he has a white mother. He has a white American mother yeah, um, from crazy. the most Americans from um, um, Kansas, right? Like, it doesn't get more American <laughs> than that, you know? It's just, <laughs> what is Kansas? It's just American. There's nothing there apart from American shit. What's sort of interesting is 
this did kind of grow up from the grassroots, and this was the standard. I mean, it absolutely look. You cannot possibly have anything other than say this stems from deep racism mm. of suggesting anyone who isn't white isn't you know intrinsically English or American. But it kind of started in chain letters during the primaries, uh, and when he was taking on. Clinton. And so it was, you know, it literally went round in, you know, this was sort of 2008. And so mm. Twitter was still pretty nascent. It was literally chain emails. And then what happened was, uh, you know, Clinton, Hillary Clinton, who otherwise ran a very, very aggressive campaign against Obama, um, an Iowa campaign volunteer actually started forwarding the email threads about birtherism as it was just sort of nascent then around and got immediately fired and they apologized. Um, and so some of it actually sort of the early stage of it grew in a kind of blue on blue thing. But what's quite interesting, and I, I haven't properly confirmed this, but as far as I can tell, the, the first sort of semi-respectable call for him to publish his birth certificate was a conservative commentator, like was on National Review, but was saying he should do it to debunk false rumours. Mm. It wasn't actually going, you know, because this turned into a three-year show. The burst. This was the drum that Trump sort of banged. And I think the, the person writing it was kind of going, um, you know, there's a false rumour going around that his middle name isn't Hussein, it was actually Mohammed. And you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a guy trying to get elected in America with the middle name Hussein. It doesn't suddenly make it a lot easier. You know, it's not like you change it to, from Mohammed to, you know, bald eagle and booze or something. You know, things, uh, uh, but also that weirdly that he was actually called Barry on his birth certificate rather than Barack. <laughs> um, and obviously some of the others about the country and the natural born citizen. But but like oddly, it wasn't centered on the Bertha rumor. That was just like one list among the false ones. And the guy was sort of saying, and I can see why the campaign pushed against him, but it's completely racist and wrong to suggest our candidate has to reveal his birth certificate when no one else does. But the guy was going, hey, you could just nip this in the bud. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of interesting to me. I have two positions on that. I think that guy was right. I think, you know, there are so many insane people in the world, but specifically in America, that sometimes you do have to play the game a bit differently to deal with them. And literally putting out his birth certificates would have done that. However, they probably wouldn't have believed it and they would have found another reason to discredit it, which is in fact what happened in the end, because eventually yeah. he did publish it and they said, no, 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 that's fake. Why is it fake? Oh, the corner's a bit creased, you know, or it's, it, yeah. Well, it's it, was, a, it was this mad thing of they ended up giving in and in 2008 released the short form birth certificate um like they actually posted it on a fight the smears campaign website mm. actually about three days after this national review columnist said put it up the problem is there are it's a, you know a little bit like in America, you've got a normal short-form birth certificate that's really easy to get and then you've got an original long-form one mm. And they ended up waiting three years before they put out this other one. Really? I think it was a case of trying to do what we saw people do with Trump later in 2015 and 16, rise above it, you know, the worst political slogan of all time, when they go low, we go high. Totally. That's great. The high road goes nowhere. Yeah, um, totally. But, but they sort of 
tried to not dignify the rumours and instead let it fester for three years and become a political movement and lead to Trump. Do you know what? I think, I think they lost it. I think he just lost it. Because when you think about it... Like, <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Barry, where's your birth certificate, Barry? I swear to God, whenever I need my birth certificate, it, finds me a, it takes me a week to find it. Like, I never like, go, oh, it's just in that drawer. I'm like, oh my God, where's my birth certificate? I, so I have, a scan, I have a scan of it, right? But I never know where the paper copy is. Because you move house, you get on with your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think they just couldn't find the thing. <laughs> No, I, I do think there's something really fascinating, though, about what both of you are saying, because in a way, what this was the kind of, you know, it's like it's like the prequels before the actual Star Wars trilogy is. This was sort of the beginning of the culture war, wasn't it, in a, in a way? This was sort of the beginning of saying, we're going to frame something as reasonable, which is inherently deeply racist. Uh, but, we, but because of our concern about the colour of your skin and therefore your national heritage, we're going to ask it in a way that seems completely bizarrely um you know rational and sort of yeah and justifiable it's that fake reasonableness though is really dangerous because after a few weeks and when someone's getting some political sort of chip for it you start going you know if you are in the thing of being a even a sort of fairly reasonable republican after you've seen every night you know all these negative stories and you're just like, well, he could just end them by putting a certificate out. Why hasn't he put the certificate? You can end up being quite radicalised just by the fact of it being day after day and you eventually go, well, wouldn't it just be a lot easier to do it, especially when they end up giving in after a while? I was going to say, something that the right are very good at doing is setting the agenda, even when mm. it's... So we saw it at Brexit, so they made it about migration, when migration is pretty much this tiny bit of the EU, really. Like, there's... All the other stuff was way, way important and with the with the, with the American politics they're really good at saying well now let's talk about where he was born you know and then you you have to then defend that the, you, rather than saying oh no actually he wants to do something about guns you have to say no he was born here you know like, yeah, like you have totally. to you can't have the by the time you've finished arguing with them there wasn't much room left for like the actual politics um it, yeah. so they're just filibuster. it's, it's filibustering really yeah. it's it's this thing of as well like if if it weren't for black Americans, the Democrats would never win another election ever again. Yeah, literally happen. Even though the birth, a lot of the sort of casual birth uh, sort of people who were open to that, I don't think understood the context of asking a black man in America to show papers to prove he was American. Like the two a large proportion of Obama's base, if he was caving in and doing the long-form certificate, that went right back to the show your papers, Jim Crow laws. Exactly. Mm. It really, really touched a deep thing of, okay, it's let them move us back to this really dark shit. Mm. And so Obama did have reasons to resist this apparently totally innocuous request because he didn't want to legitimize it and didn't want to have that anger from the voters he was absolutely reliant on and that's what made this such a clever bit of 
utter shithouser. Yeah, it's totally that. And it's exactly the same as sort of, you know, Goebbels' evil plan of sort of working out how to, over a sort of eight-year period, start to use dehumanizing language around a certain group and normalize it by moving this idea of, as anyone who's ever listened to any of my podcasts will know, you know, moving the Overton window, moving the nature of public discourse further and further to the right, making things seem reasonable, which are inherently racist. And we end up where we are today, which is that, you know, frankly, the biggest problem that we have now is that there's no interest in actually just creating a rational discourse anymore. And it's not just because of the policymakers, it's also because of the financial imperative. Because for instance, those terms puts down racist are also the sort of taggable, shareable clicks that seem to generate the money behind these social media machines, which seem incapable of sort of financially incentivizing rational debate. Right. I mean, it's it's literally impossible to make money, but it's like it's really it, that's why so many racists make so much money, because they just start saying more and more racist things and more and more people click on it. We're going to have to start to come to terms with the fact that social media isn't a place for rational debate. It's a place for I, I've got this thought, type it up, send. Um, and it's almost like we're we're asking we're asking a pig to tap dance. Um, and, <laughs> and I think that's where, I think that's probably where we as, as fairly progressive people are, 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 that's why we struggle because we, mm. we have quite good debates and I see your social media content and it's all, and it's all brilliant, but we're kind of in a privileged position to do that because hey, we've got the tight, it's our jobs. You know, it's actually yeah. our jobs to sit down and do that. Most people do not use social media in the way we use it. They go on the toilet in their lunch break. You know, they, and we, we see social media in a completely different way to people who aren't creatives full time. Yeah. Because most yeah. people, guys, we are like 1%. Not, yeah. What do you mean it's most people? <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, so if we put ourselves in their shoes, you know, England flag 29729, British flag. Um, Love that guy. Yeah, MUFC till I die. He's, he's not going to have a nuanced debate on Instagram or Twitter. He's just going to go on, go online, spout his nonsense and then go away. So, you know, that's the guy, those, and that's the guy that social media companies are trying to, attract they don't want us they want the wider population they want the, the, I mean, the it's, it's exactly that we we have a habit it's you know just as you say of thinking of it as a platform or an outlet as if it were a newspaper or a radio show or you know a hit podcast such as the new conspiracist like and subscribe um but uh, stolen jolly's line there oh God, that um, was the lamest thing you have ever said on this podcast like any on any, throughout the entire I mean, that was right up there that's that's why we have you say the promotional shit but we think of it as that because we often use it to promote a show you know our shows or our columns or you know our our secret daily mail uh, identities Joel. um you know whereas for most people it's actually just a virtual version of chatting shit in the pub mm. and, and like you know you don't expect someone if they're at a pub table near you to go well you know that's what that's what one paper says but let's have a nuance and take in this and make sure our chat is accurate as long as someone's not being too loud and talking too much shit you just let them chat shit don't you mm. and we sort of get a little bit too into it of confusing this stuff don't we yeah and i'm not saying we shouldn't challenge social media companies just to stamp out racism and bigotry i mean there's there's no reason for anyone to be able to go online and say bigoted stuff and get away with it that's just bizarre if you go into a pub mm. and you start shouting um, 
horrible things like refugees, you'll be asked to leave the pub. Depends if you go to the right pubs. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about this very, very pro- provocative incident, which I would argue is entirely agent provocateur, um, extreme levels of theatricality and uh, mock outrage, an issue that I have no doubt Donald Trump 100% knew that Barack Obama was American and had an American passport. But he understood the, the nature of this new sort of theatricality that was necessary to generate a sort of huge emotional outpouring of your land is being lost, great whites. Let us hit your white fragility on such a deep level that you feel there is now something to justify the unjustifiable racist rage inside of you that is burning. And now we're at a point where we're just about to have two new news stations launched in the UK, which undoubtedly will tack to the right. And the idea of empathy, the idea of basic humanity and common sense, really just basic rational common sense towards people is now sort of looked at as kind of woke hysteria. Right. I mean, it is a mad time we're living through. It's a mad time. But something that's really important to understand is like progressiveness is kind of working. You know, but it doesn't feel like it. But people are, you know, the people who are agents of positive change or so anti-racist and, and, and whatever, um, anti, you know, anti anything, um, anti anything bigoted. So people who are supporting the LGBTQI uh, community and that it is kind of working you know and I can and I can say that as a as a kind of a mixed race black person who was able to be in spaces that people I, I couldn't have been in 20 30 years ago and that is why these new stations are being launched okay it's almost like um it's like the the final in a movie this should be like the final stand yeah it's, gone, it's turned into Return of the Jedi and they've built the Death Star. Like, and let's think about a year ago when the Black Lives Matters protests were happening. When, if you looked at those protests, it was actually mostly white people. I stayed in my yard. If you're um, a bigoted white person, that's terrifying. Right. Yeah, because you're yeah. like, oh, my God, they're getting to us now. Like, it's actually not just black and brown people um, who are fighting for their equality. You can't reassure yourself that there's like a silent majority of other white people who secretly think what you do, but won't say it. It's like, I oh, know they actually don't think what I'm thinking. Fuck, we're in trouble now. We might have to give people equal rights. I think that's a really salient point. Yeah. And that's the one. Of the, I mean, I always theorize that's why that's why Trump got elected, because when people saw how popular Obama was that was like wow we've got to double down right like we've yeah. and let's not and I, I would say this, this is a lot I just think it's really important you know in the last American election which put you know Trump's re-election push he got the second highest number of votes ever in ele- and yeah. obviously Biden got the most votes ever in an American election, but he got, Trump got the second highest. Yeah, I know, it's wild. Okay, so, you know, they've really doubled down um, because they have realised now they have an opposition and that opposition is made up of their white peers. So do, do you want a fun, a fun bit of um, Obama trivia just to do this? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Let's, yeah. let's, you know, let's, let's come back to birtherism. I really like this. It took, somehow, it took them four years to find it from when they started the birther movement. But it turns out Obama's uh, literary agency uh, had from 1991 right through to 2007 had a biography first in a leaflet and then on their website of him like the about the author type thing 
just saying he was born in Kenya, casually. <laughs> so for 16 years, right there, Obama's own agent kind of going, yeah, he was born in Kenya. Just quite chill, quite... I'm so confused uh, about that because it just shows that everyone's agent is shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, uh, so reassuring. Like, what, what's quite nice is the agent, that was the agent's line too. She just basically came out and went... Yeah, I'm shit. I'm a, I'm a moron. <laughs> it, it doesn't come from anything Barack said over. I just put that in there, and it's completely wrong. Yeah, to, to exoticize him. Like, oh, this would be good for the uh, yeah. for the market. This would be good for the book. Push up sales a bit. Yeah, I, totally. I just quite like for 16 years. There was this thing where it's like, oh, a barber himself saying it, and they didn't find it until 2012. You know, it's like good god, like it was on their website. It wasn't like super. But that goes to show how much they knew it was made up. They didn't even bother looking for evidence. They were just like, well, we're just making up this crap. I have to say, some of the stuff that I see now on Twitter on a daily basis that purports to be some kind of rationality just feeds me, sort of, that further sort of feeds my feeling that it really is just that if you're a racist, you're going to get really rich if you talk about it. And it's like, I think that this contrarian, the sort of, I think it's so funny, James, the first thing you said was the guy literally described himself as a contrarian journalist because that's what most of these people are doing. It's like tacking to the right hard, saying these abominable things is what generates people being like, oh my God, the, the latest outrage today is that he said that. So either retweet it or put a really cool comment in it or something like that. And it is really just a business model, no? Contrarian is just one of those words though. Like, you know, I don't understand anyone who would self-describe as contrarian because I feel like what they think people hear when they say contrarian is a free thinker who dares to speak his mind and ask important questions others don't ask. Everyone else hears contrarian and goes, oh, fuck, it's that person you never want to see in the pub. <laughs> it's just, like, it, 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 and also it's like, that's not the point of journalism is to acquire evidence and then analyze that evidence and then come to a conclusion. Um, it's not to look at something and say, I don't, I'm just going to argue with it. You know, it's just, well, yeah. what, what, what you're looking at is right, but I'm a contrarian. If it's right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, like, I'm a contrarian. Um, generally 90% of the time or so if you're following the facts you should probably be with something close to the consensus and like maybe now and then you'll see evidence and be against it but if you suddenly whatever most people think think something different you're really obviously not doing that are you but what contrarian points to is specifically with people who adopt that it points to a mythology that they believe that there is racism in society but it's anti-white and when they mm. say I'm a contrarian what they're saying is I'm I'm a contrarian against this idea that there should be equality. I want mm. to. I want to actually promote a, an idea of privilege for white people. So contrarian is kind of code for I'm not progressive like you guys. So um, and that's something that we. That's what it is to me, uh, and that's it's what true. I see. I totally agree. We, we haven't developed a sort of. Um 
we haven't developed a kind of language yet around this, have we, for people who are sort of taking this position of basically, like you said, because ultimately equality does mean that white people lose privilege. Like, mm. that is a fact. Like, you cannot have the status quo just remain the same. You need an equal uh, footing, for instance, when, you know, my friend Femi <clears throat> often points to the fact that, you know, there needs to be blind CVs in this country because if you have a name of Nigerian uh, origin, you are something like eight times less likely to get a first interview regardless of your grades. That is a fact in the British marketplace. Um, so we have all this stuff going on. If we did try to find a name for a thing, I, I mean, how would you how would you sort of categorise that? Oh, I think like the people, like the individuals. People, the movement, you know. <laughs> I shouldn't really be trusted to name this movement, uh, really, because, you know, it's going <laughs> to Should we ask your baby son? Should we ask your baby son to name it right it's, now? It would be an activity. He's quite pukey, so, uh, you know. He's, <laughs> he's, he's coming with the pukies. The pukies. That is perfect. Yeah. I mean, pukes <laughs> Yeah, pukism. Pukism, you know. Pukism. Um, I mean, it is puky. It's, I, I, I agree with that. It's, it's very puky, but the, I mean, it's just really annoying more than anything, really. Yeah, it's people it sort of, people wanting to deny very salient and clear and honest and, and undisput- indisputable truths because it inconveniences them a little bit. But also, there's something to be said about the lack of nuance we have when we discuss um, equality and diversity. Because, for example, when we talk about white people losing privilege, we're not talking about all white people. There are lots of white people in this country mm. who do not have privilege for, by virtue of where they, the city they live in, the village they live in. Um, you know, if you're a white person and you're a looked-after child, you know, looked-after children who, who graduate from that are massively disadvantaged in life. In life. Um, so we don't always acknowledge that some white people don't actually see themselves as white as their primary identity. They see themselves as working class, for example. They see themselves as, as, um, as uh, what they do for their profession. Um, and then we, and people like us with our degrees and our, you know, and our observations go, white people, white people, white people. And they're like, well, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm not white people. I'm not white. I'm, a, I'm the son of a minor. You know, or, so we yeah. we are definitely guilty of of giving people labels that, that don't really mean anything to them. And then, yeah, I think you're right. I think the um, the I mean, I've seen you know this this absolute flurry of activity, particularly from people like you know sort of centrist Labour people like Jesse Phillips in the last couple of weeks, saying, okay, well, um, what have the Tories actually done for white working class boys uh, in the last fifteen years? Mm. Uh, and and you see sort of time and again. Uh, sorry, not last fifteen years um that's not quite right uh, last 11 years since 2010 but you can see that their educational outcomes have not changed that the youth clubs in their area have been closed that the after school activities that were necessities for a lot of these children to achieve just basic reading a good reading age that matched their their actual age have have gone down and you're right there again isn't really a language because i mean something i found profoundly disturbing about just tweeting things about black lives matter is the amount of people who come back and say you've been racist to white people. And, um, you know, although this has been discussed many, many times, I think when you look at this uh, conspiracy theory that we're talking about today about the birth of myth, it's basically saying they are not us. Mm. They are not us. You, you should be worried about us and they are not us. And this, this is a sort of very basic psychological thing that we do about othering as a sort of means of defense. It's like a basic sort of understanding of where you're, where you're safe and where you're not safe. And you know, a lot of people, like you said, thing, are not operating uh, as you know, university graduates. They're operating as people who left school really early, who have strong emotional sort of impact when they, when they, when they feel these things because they feel they're being attacked rather than something you know, bigger. What, what can we do? to help this do you think i mean i I just want to jump in quickly on this because there's you know 
it's when people talk about you know who's doing X for white working class, or who's as if class and race are separate issues mm. that must be discussed separately. Mm. Like I grew up fairly working class in the north, and working class communities aren't segregated. Like if you grow up working class, you will pretty often grow up knowing quite a lot of black people or Asian people or, you know, I, my town had like, like quite a big British Pakistani and British Bangladeshi population. I mean, to the point that my family (laughs) is half British Pakistani. Um, Like, you know, they're not segregated issues. It's not like we're not doing X for the white working class because we're doing so much to help black and Asian working classes. So we're doing fuck all to help the working class all round. Mm. And like, actually, if you genuinely care about helping a working class, you don't actually have to have the word white in front. There's plenty of left behind white boys in the working class, but it's not because they're white. It's because we do nothing to help working class full stop. And like sure start youth clubs, all the stuff you talk about properly funding education, uh, early years, especially that's, you, you could do a rising tide will help all boats. Like, and also, your resentment goes down a lot less. If you feel that your family is getting a good start and is being helped, you don't look around for, to other, to, for someone to blame if you're doing okay. Like, all of this comes down to class solidarity, which can be cross-racial. I also don't believe the working classes are more intrinsically racist than the middle class. James, not I'm not infuriously I'm not infuriously what you're saying because that's when you know that's exactly my position on on this matter. So like Freddie Hampton, the movies he made about his life was very clear that it, progress doesn't happen unless you realise it's a capitalist system that takes us down and that divides us. Um, and whilst we're fighting amongst this other, they're they're doing what they do and make their money, making their money and, and, and whatever. What you said about working class communities being mixed is the truest thing in the world. This mythology that there's a bunch of white people in Manchester keeping the Tories in power is just absolute garbage. It's just like that. Yeah, there is a, a red block and it is white and it is working class but it's massively it is diverse um and it's open to being diverse no one loves a curry more than a working class person <laughs> it's, it's the classes who are like where's my asparagus but it's the there'd be no diversity in terms of our food culture here if it wasn't for the adoption of, of working class people oh like yeah. you know even my life experience is working class white people welcoming me and my family and my family into into their homes and into their lives or whatever it's the upper class people who are suspicious and want me to assimilate you know um so you know this mythology about working class and and i don't want to suggest that there's no racism in white working class communities that's bizarre but i I sort of think this idea that it's just these redefined binary lines sorry he spouted his dumb obama come on obama come on this is the time obama it's not time i mean it's it's funny because i'd actually go as far as to say that the, the, the majority of the racism exists in the upper classes, right? And the the, uh, the thing that actually exists middle and upper, but the but there also there's there's another thing that, that isn't really brought in here, which is that if you combine um, poor educational outcomes, uh, poverty, and then you absolutely um, uh, uh, groom and manipulate a section of a population who may just believe, who may just believe in the conspiracy theory that a newspaper reports the news, 
Right? And actually, possibly, when a newspaper reports a story, it is factually correct, then you have this kind of cocktail that has become absolutely weaponized. And then it goes further, because as soon as we enter an age of big data, very clever people like Dominic Cummings, I may not uh, uh, like him personally, but I absolutely can see he's a very intelligent person, can then look at a data set and then say, okay, well, this group of people who are already groomed, who've had this amount of, uh, you know, who, who read these news newspapers who are, who are into this kind of narrative how can we weaponize them how can we how can we corral them is that is that how you see it Athena? yeah absolutely so a really important fact is that the read the average reading age of this country is about 12 um this is, so yeah. at, at the, at, there is a point at which it's almost i won't say it's the point of no return but there is a point at which people have been so neglected by that through their education through where they get their news through where they get their culture through the opportunities they've been given in their work that they get to the point where they do just start to work out with lots of numbers and flags and then they start chatting shit <laughs> um and that's you know and that's a point at which it's very hard to convert them and and in many ways that's always been why i thought the tories wanted to charge for education because the more mm. critical thinkers you have in society Society, the less you can get away with when you um, when you talk nonsense. So this race report they put out this week. Um, so yeah. this podcast is coming out a couple of days after a race report, which basically says institutional racism is over. We fixed it. Um, people, a lot of people don't even have the. You need to have critical thought to be able to challenge some of the things in that report because they're very clever with the way they re, they word their arguments, right? So if you've if you've never thought about race, you know, if you've never thought about cult society, if you've never thought about class. If you never thought about these things, you'll read that report and they think it sounds about right. Okay. And, and then you can be an angry white person and tweet you going, Oh my God, can I see a picture of these people? They're all black. How can it possibly be racist if they were black, man? Yeah. You racist white exactly. guy. It's that fake reasonableness again, though, isn't yes. it? It's that sense of, you know, and also people not being able to see outside their experience. It's this thing of, you get a little bit of a sight of it as a gay person because I'll, I'll have friends go, yeah, but you've never had anything homophobic, have you? And you sort of laugh and go, here's about 16 things that I can think of offhand, you know, from nose and arm broken to people literally shouting at you in the street, all of that. Or when men go to a female friend in like the recent stuff, but you've never been harassed because it just isn't in your experience. <laughs> you don't think it's happening. Quite a lot of white people just do not realize the yeah. shit that a lot of, especially young black men get from the police. And they're like, well, why would you have a problem with the police? It's like their experience is so outside yours that what seems reasonable to you and what seems reasonable to them could just be really different. And that's why you end up in positions like the Obama Bertha one where well, what's so wrong with just handing over your birth certificate? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? As well, it's also it's even worse than that. I go, what? It's even worse than that, especially for the boomers, like the plus sixty fivers, who just go, oh, do we have to? Do, yeah. do we have to think about that? Oh, you're so unreasonable because just because we vote and we believe in all this stuff and we bought our whole housing stock, we don't have to consider the fact that we might have to change our. We're too old to change the way we think. It has come to that point where we have to work out if the if the conspiracy theory of the day is a fugazi or is actually the real damn deal. So, Athena, what's the scoop? It's been an interesting conversation with you guys, but I'm yet I'm yet to be convinced that Obama wasn't born in in America. If anything, he's a, a product of America. Jamesy, 
So, well, Obama clearly wasn't born in Kenya. He was born in the future in England. So, you know, <laughs> there we are. <laughs> on that bombshell, where we can finally relate, we can finally tell you that Barack, the baby Barack Obama was in fact born to Athena in London and then somehow in a warped sort of, I don't know, it's like that Netflix show, Dark, maybe she puts him through some sort of time tunnel and he sort of comes out as... It, not even in Kenya, in Hawaii, which I don't even... It's because of the hollow earth, isn't it? It's because there are tunnels going through. We're just going to post it from Hackney to, to, to Hawaii. Is that what's going on? Oh, look, I don't know, but all I know is the process that we've gone through to get this baby, it's made him really farty. So <laughs> I just want to say Barack Obama farts a lot. Like, <laughs> I'm not even lying. Like, we'll wake up and there'll just be this like, broccoli in the room. And it's like, how is this happening, Bar- Barack? Come on, have some that's a bit much isn't it it's yeah. just a bit much do you know what I mean <laughs> to be woken up by oh god he'll be asking you for sort of sort of crushed avocado next and sort of strange wokey things he got used to in the White House um, Athena it has been an absolute pleasure <laughs> having you on the podcast if people uh, don't know yet tell them about this new Radio uh, 4 series that's coming out yes yeah, I'm really excited about it it's about cancel culture um, it will probably get me cancelled but I'm really lazy so I'd like to get cancelled because <laughs> I just I don't, want to, I don't want to work anymore guys I don't know I just I just really like sitting around and, and reading my books and not doing much so, um, so and so given it'll be out when uh, when this comes out what's what's it called so people can it's, look it it's up it's called Athena's Cancer Culture um, and it'll be on BBC Radio 4 and it's it's just funny it's and it's ridiculous and I hope everyone enjoys it I worked really so is it hard like on a it. Sta- is it like a stand up set is, like, is it you talking to people or yeah, what, it's, what people it, it's stand up and sketch under the umbrella theme of cancer culture and it's really me rather than saying this is my opinion on it what i do is i set out what cancel culture is and the the listeners at home can decide whether or not they're into it or not and it's kind of it's, super it's, exciting. it's crazy and it's a bit nuts and it all comes from my brain but it's an expiration of something <laughs> that is just like the term cancel culture from possibly from barack obama we're not too so sure he is very advanced he is very advanced <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And look, for the for the one or two people who might not already follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Um, just my name, Athena Cabrenu. Um Listen, Athena, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And maybe you can come on uh, in the next series and tell us a bit about cancel culture, because I'd love my to hear pleasure. Some, My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, James, uh, if they if the, if people fucking aren't following you by now, Jesus Christ, 22 episodes <laughs> in. Yeah, but what is your, what's your tag? So you can find me on Twitter at JamesRBUK. And you can find me at JolyandRoots, J-O. L-Y-O-N-R-U-B-S Much love especially to my fellow dyslexics who can't even spell cat. We will see you next week. Thank you so much. This has been New Conspiracist. Bye bye. Bye.